Hey, everybody. I'm Brick. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Brick. 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 Thanks so much, uh, Kent, for asking me to lead. I want to welcome all the newcomers. We had a lot. Aaron, Aaron, Sabrina, and Kelly, folks who took chips, Katie with 60 days, Tiffin and Jackie with four months, Karen Lee with eight months, Hawk with 10 months, and then our birthday guys, Jesse with two years and Jason with five years. It's a lot of uh, time and it's, uh, it's impressive. And I love seeing people pick up chips because it reminds me that this thing still works. So congrats to all those folks. And welcome to the, the visitors from New Jersey. I got my friend Mike V in from DC. He's walking around in the background. He's sitting across from me right now. And, uh, you know, because of this program, I've got friends today that, you know, are willing to fly cross country and hang out with me and uh, watch me speak. So it's pretty special. And I just want to give a shout out to, there's a bunch of folks I know on this call, Walt, Chuck D, I uh, saw Sheila and Rick, Kent. And, uh, you know, it's just really nice to have people uh, on this call. Um, you know, my sobriety date is January 19th, 2012. This past uh, January, I celebrated eight years. And it wasn't a straight line to get from that day to where I'm at right now. Uh, never is. But it, it, the journey to get to where I'm at today in my sobriety, I wouldn't have traded it for anything, anything else. Um, you know, when I celebrated two years sober, Chuck D gave me a, a note. I was getting ready to move out east to DC. I'd gotten a job in the Navy. They were sending me out there and Chuck had written me a letter. Uh, and, and this letter basically said, um, you know, it's good to have goals and dreams of where you want to go. But if along the way you get, you know, sidetracked or you go elsewhere uh, to, to be okay with that. And if you don't necessarily get where you're trying to end up, that's okay. So long as you enjoy the journey. And, uh, and that really has characterized my sobriety uh, throughout. You know, I've, I've had things that I've wanted to do or places I've wanted to go. And I actually feel like I'm in a better spot when I just let it go. Um, you know, and I let my higher power, which I believe is God, uh, take, me to, take me where he thinks is best, not where Brick thinks best. Um, you know, I, I wasn't born an alcoholic. I, I didn't intend to end up in AA. And I was the kind of kid who I felt like a square peg in a round hole, like the book talks about. And when I first had that drink, it just, it took all those, those rough edges and smoothed them out. And it made me feel like I was cool. It made me feel like I could talk to people. And uh, from that first drink I had, I just wanted more. And, I, and a friend of mine talks about it as the disease of more. You know, I wasn't the kind of, kind of person that just drank a little bit. You know, you see these people that they go out to dinner and they'll have like half a glass of wine and then they don't finish it. And I look at them going, what are you doing? That's alcohol abuse. You got to finish that. And, and normal people don't think like that, right? They don't think about when I'm drinking one drink, I'm thinking about, the next one, the one after that. And then I'm thinking about, you know, how am I gonna be able to keep this thing going and keep that first drink feeling going as long as possible? Um, you know, my dad likes to say that after the first drink, it's never as good and you're just chasing that feeling. Well, that's what I did from the first day I started drinking until my last day was to try and chase a, that elusive feeling. I, uh, you know, I, I graduated from high school, went off to college, uh, had a great time, 
And then I graduated, I like to say, to the, the major leagues of drinking in, in the Navy. And the Navy was great because I could immediately find guys that were older that liked to drink like I did and they had a little more seasoning. And the threshold, my, my, I had a, a female captain who she was no nonsense. And she sniffed out when I was you know, getting into trouble and hijinks. And she was the kind of person who, she had a really low bar, right? It was don't take a life, don't make a life, and don't end up in jail. So basically, if you made it back to the ship the next morning and you can kind of somewhat do your job, that was okay with, with her. Um, but I, I started running with these guys who, you know, they partied like I did. They, uh, they'd black out, they'd, uh, you know, miss events for, for work. They were just kind of, they were fun guys to be around. And, and that worked a long time for me. You know, it was, I don't like to tell guys that are new that, this, that, that drinking wasn't fun because I have to remember there were times it was fun. You know, and part of the reason I kept drinking for so long was I was chasing that fun. The problem for me was that the fun eventually ran out and then it turned uh, not so fun and then it got just plain scary. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to get drunk in San Clemente and stumble around down here. It's different when you're in Pattaya Beach, Thailand, or in some of the places uh, in the Philippines or in Indonesia that I was at, and, and waking up not knowing how you got back to the ship. I remember one time we were, we were in Singapore, and I hadn't, hadn't had a drink in a long time for me, which was 60 days, because we were, had been out at sea. And we got into port, and you know, it, it was one of those where it was like, let's, I was a big flask guy. I liked to buy, buy a thing of booze and then just put it in a flask so I could surreptitiously drink and, and thought people wouldn't know. But I remember uh, we got in the cab, we were going to downtown Singapore and it was gonna be a great night, super excited. And the last thing I remember was yelling at my cab driver, Sky was his name. And then I came to out of the blackout, back on the ship, I had bruises all over my body. I didn't know how I got back. And I just was like, what happened? Um, and that was my drinking from that point on was just blacking out, getting hurt. Um, I came back from that deployment. My dad had been sober at that point, um, almost 20, I think it was 14 years, 13 years. And he never said, hey, you're an alcoholic, you need to stop drinking. He said, hey, Rick, why don't you try some controlled drinking? And it just, it drove me nuts. I, I looked at him and, and was like, what does that even mean? And he, uh, he never pushed AA on me, he never forced me to go to AA, uh, but he just, he planted that seed of why don't you try some controlled drinking. A couple months goes back, goes by, I uh, go through the holidays, uh, I call it the holiday gauntlet, you know, for, from Thanksgiving into New Year's, and it just kind of flew by, and it gets to my belly button birthday on January 18th, which is my last drink. And I, there was nothing special about that day that would mark it as this is the day Brick's going to get sober. What, what marked it as different was the feeling when I woke up, I had to have my girlfriend drive me to work. I couldn't stop throwing up. And I looked in the mirror at myself and I said, is this what you want to do the rest of your life? Because this, this is what it's going to be, if not worse. And I had that moment, that incomprehensible demoralization that then led to what I believe is a spiritual experience where I saw my life going down two roads. On one ro road, it was the road I was on. It was very dark and grim. And then on the other, it was just, it wasn't defined. It was kind of like a light. 
but it was just, it seemed different than the other way that I was going. And after a moment, I, I just, I go, I need to do, I need to do something different here. And I texted my dad and said, Hey, I want, I want to get sober. And uh, he replied back and said, seriously, question mark, you know, cause I was I just turned 24, super young. I was a child and uh, you know, he just didn't think I was really serious. And I said, yes. And, and he talked, texted me this guy, Victor's number. And uh, I texted this guy or I called him after a day and Victor became my first sponsor. And my first meeting was the Canyon club um, in Laguna. And I'll never forget going. And I had known folks in AA cause my dad had been sober and his, this guy I knew Jim L and his wife, Christine were sitting on the, far corner of the Canyon Club and the Canyon Club makes you stand up and identify as a newcomer. And I had to stand up and say brick alcoholic. And it was just the worst, worst feeling in the world at that point for me. And I looked over and I saw Jim and his wife and they just had this, you know, jaws agape. And uh, I just thought to myself, my God, my life is over. It's come to this. I'm never going to have fun again. And luckily that was not uh, that feeling I've only had that feeling once or twice in AA and uh, it was at the very outset and I haven't had it since then. But if you're new and you're wondering, Oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Just stick around. You know, if you hear something tonight that strikes a chord, you know, feel free. You can reach out to me, uh, my dad, who's going to speak next, you know, his, his, he's a great reference. Um, talk to one of these folks that celebrated a birthday tonight there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, they might not have what you want per se, but there's so many people that you, you eventually will find someone that has what you want. And if you make a concerted effort to go to that person and ask for help, they will help you no matter what. And that has been uh, my experience where, where I'm at today. Uh, you know, the last year, 10 months, I was in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, the Navy didn't get me kicked. I didn't get kicked out. I should have been kicked out on numerous occasions, but I ended up staying in and they wanted me to stay in, which is a shock. And they deployed me down to Gitmo this last, uh, last year. And I got back here to Orange County in, in March, excuse me, in May, and have been uh, dialing into Zoom meetings. And you know what a blessing to be able to sit next to my dad during meetings. I wish I could see some of you guys in, in person, but you know, it's just not, it's not the case right now and that's okay. I, uh, I don't like Zoom, but I don't abhor or hate it like some people do because this last year in Gitmo, uh, you know, it was, it, I would classify that as a remote uh, meeting setting. I had a, one other guy that would routinely go to the meeting sometimes and sometimes he couldn't go, so I was by myself. So I really leaned on uh, the grapevine, which I used to poo-poo and think it was stupid. Uh, grapevine was huge, phone calls, and uh, when AA transitioned over to Zoom because of the, the virus, for me, it was like, man, this is great. I can start dialing into, you know, the, the Gator meeting, the Monday meeting Jason was talking about, and uh, something that I thought at the time was going to be terrible and horrible, uh, and my mind had conditioned itself to, to think this was going to be the worst thing ever going on this deployment, ended up being a really great spiritual experience and teaching moment. And when I look at life like that, not as just a negative, and I look at it positively and try and see what my, my higher power is trying to teach me, my life has always been way, way better. So 
thank you guys for, for listening. Thanks for my sobriety. And uh, that's all I got. Thanks.